Okay, hey, um, so we're on week two. This is a little bit of a disjointed message. This is a three-message series on the Sabbath and the Lord's Day, exploring that topic. I did this two weeks ago. I was going to do it last week, but you kind of know why I didn't make it. And then uh, next week, we'll actually, that's Mother's Day. Are y'all aware it's Mother's Day, right? So um, you might want to go ahead and be ready, okay? You should do something for your mom that day, all right? You should do something for the mother of your children. But then also, uh, that day we'll have uh, anybody that's interested in um, baby-slash-parent dedication. It's really a parent dedication. Um, And then also, we'll preach a special message that day just about what the Bible says about family. And then we'll finish off the week after. We'll finish part three of this Sabbath study, and then we'll start a study on 2 Corinthians to complement 1 Corinthians I preached a long time ago, right? So um, we'll start that. Now, once again, let me tell you something. Uh, I wrestle and struggle on this topic. I have for decades now. Um, I'm excited to study this again. Um, just so you know, when I preach sometimes, I'm preaching to myself a lot. And, and, and even myself, I'm, I'm trying to come to a, a better understanding of this, understanding all the different disagreements through church history, even where I may see uh, where I would see contradictions in the Scripture. It's, this is a tough topic. It really is. There is little consensus sometimes in the wide evangelical world about this topic. So there are those that would go, there's no way there's such thing as a Christian Sabbath because Sabbath, that rest day, was always on a Saturday. And so if you want to do that, you need to do it on Saturday. And there are groups that do that. That's the Seventh-day Adventist. Um, And actually, I never understood when I was up in Wisconsin, there was a group called Seventh-day Baptists, right? Seventh-day Baptists. Uh, I'm sure there must be Seventh-day Pentecostals and Seventh-day Catholics and Seventh-day Anglicans, maybe. But I never understood that. So you have that group. Then you have another group that would say, wait a minute, um, that was the law, and we're not under law anymore, we're under Christ. Then you have another group that would say, well, actually, and this is where I'm more, through the years, more heavier have put myself, is, no, wait, the Sabbath is actually something that you see Christianity pulling over onto Resurrection Sunday. You see that through church history. You see that even with the apostles and the early Christians, even in the text of Scripture I shared with you in week one of this message series. You see Christians gathering together on the first day of the week, the first day after Sabbath. So you have all these things. Then you, as I shared with you last week, there's John, right, on the island of Patmos saying he was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. The last book of, the, of our New Testament being written And he's saying there's a Lord's Day. This is a Jewish apostle saying there's a Lord's Day. Now, the overarching principle is this, and this is just for my soul. I don't care where you line up. If you're a person that says, you know what? I think that the Sabbath is only on Saturday, okay. Or I think it actually is on Sunday. It's the Christian Sabbath, great. Or I don't like calling it Sabbath at all. I think I should just call it the Day of the Lord, great. Whatever you want to call it. But here's what I do want to put down. I see, and this is for my own soul, that it was a creational, it started at creation, there was a day of rest for man, right? And that has never ended. Why would we think that there'd be this one commandment of the Ten Commandments that God would go forget about it? Now, it's true, Jesus is the, he is the true Sabbath. He is the true rest. But also I would say this. We see that the idea of a day of rest went on before the law of Moses. It's at creation. 
And before the law of Moses is given, he's already talking to the children of Israel about gathering manna for the seventh day. And personally, I, I don't know if I have a lot of, uh, does it have to be Saturday or Sunday in the sense of, can a cr- person be a Christian and be a part of a church that thinks that, well, we actually do this on Saturday? Uh, I would say that really is a conscience issue, and we'll talk more about that next week in light of Romans 14 and um, Colossians chapter 2. But here's the principle. I don't think we can get away from Scripture is there is a day of rest. And I think we can't have license with that day of rest or legalism with that day of rest. License would be, eh, I'll just do whatever I want. Legalism is, I'm going to add so many rules to it where everybody has to measure up to the standard of how I've made this. So I don't want to run to license. I don't want to run to legalism. But I want to look at what does the Word say? What have we seen in the Word? I'm pretty convinced that for God's people, for all times, there is the moral law. The moral law has not left the Ten Commandments. And there is a commandment that has to do with a a day of the Lord, a day of rest. Um, And to our detriment, we have forgotten about it. And to our detriment, now personally, I see this idea that for myself and my household, I see this idea that it really does seem in God's providential hand that that, as God brings in the Gentiles and the nations, that you start to see that phase into Resurrection Sunday. And I laid out some of my reasons for that. I wouldn't, but I wouldn't push a Christian over for going, you know what, we're going to have, you know, you know, there's a church in town called, you know, Carville Bible Church Sabbath, right? And we're going to go to uh, Sabbath Carville Bible Church. I I wouldn't, I wouldn't fault you for that. But I would want to point out this idea. I think for us in our culture, I'm not as concerned about legalism when it comes to a day of the Lord. I'm more concerned about license. And let me, here's where I would point this out. We call it the day of the Lord. But honestly, is this day really a day for most people? Honestly, with my soul, it's, okay, um, I get up early, going through my notes, you know, looking, getting ready to preach. Then after, a lot of times I'll have meetings throughout the day. And then it's a day full of good things. That's not bad. But I'll notice, even for my own soul, is if there's a space of time where I can just decompress and entertain myself or think or accomplish something or get this bill paid or go ahead and check these emails or be productive, I'll still do it. And then here's the question. Is that really a day of rest at that point? So I wonder, I wonder if even for my own soul, the day of the Lord, is it even a day? Is this day, if you're calling it, no, wait, Sunday, that's the day I believe. It's resurrection. It's the Christian Sabbath. I can see this. I can see it in church history. Fine. Then my question for us is, is this actually a day of rest? Is it actually the Lord's day or is it the Lord's morning? And if you're part of family meal stuff, is it the Lord's morning and afternoon? (laughs) So let's answer these questions. So uh, two weeks ago, uh, we preached and started this Sabbath study. And um, here's one of the things. I don't do a lot on Sundays. I don't take naps. Because I want to be more productive, I'll just drink more coffee and just power through. But, but honestly, I, I get convicted about this sometimes. If you're tired on a Sunday, you should probably just take a nap, right? And if you've got little kids and you both can't take a nap, then husband, lover like Christ of the church, take one for the team. Let mama have a nap, right? And then maybe you can swap off, right? There's nothing wrong with a good sanctified nap on Sunday. Can I get an amen? Now, um, here's what's happened. So I decided that day, I was like, you know what? 
I'm kind of convicted about this. I'm not going to drink coffee this afternoon and just try to keep pushing myself. It's a day of rest, so it's a, and, and by the way, I want to answer that word rest, because when I say rest, I, I got all sorts of questions about what do we mean by that. But, so I remember going, you know what, I'm actually going to take a nap. And so I get everything settled, and I'm ready. I'm laying down, and finally, about five minutes in, then all of a sudden, bing, 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 bing. Like, who rings a doorbell on Sunday afternoon? So it was my neighbor. And my neighbor was trying to put in um, her mailbox. Someone had hit her mailbox and broke it. And this is, this is a single lady. Um, and so someone had hit her mailbox, knocked it over, it was broke. And she had bought the components to put, you know, a new mailbox up. And she was using a butter knife, I think, to cut, you know. And she had, you know, it just, she didn't have, like, tools. Like, I got tools. She had not really good tools, right? These are the tools you get out the checkout stand at Walmart. So she's, she's trying to mess with it. She can't get it done. And so she comes and rings on my doorbell because she knows that I have tools. And she asks, can I help her a little bit? Can I, can I, can I help her just a little bit? My response to her was, was, today is my rest day. This is my Sabbath. You take care of that later. We'll take care of that on Monday. I'm going back to my nap. That is not what I did. <laughs> no, what did I do? I got up and said, Lord, I tried. It's not your will. Maybe I'll drink some coffee. I didn't. I did after. <laughs> and I went out and I helped her put up that mailbox. And that wasn't wrong. If I was walking in this idea of the day of rest in a hypocritical or a legalistic way, wouldn't have helped her. If I was walking in Sabbath as a day of rest as a license, I probably would have thought I had something else better to do for my life. But the Lord's day, it's His day. His day. And that doesn't mean that you can't do physical things. It does mean that the way we work on this day looks different from the other six. It does mean that if we, are, if we do work on that day, that that work is just like any other day for the glory of God and good at others, but it's different, it's holy, it's set aside. Now, how does that look? It's different for every situation. I'm going to help lean in on that a little bit. But just to kind of give you a little bit understanding of where I've been at in the series so far, if you didn't catch it, my first message on this series, I was painting the picture of there exists this day and maybe we've taken too much license with it. Today, I want to look at this and give a warning about legalism. Next, uh, two Sundays from now, I'll finish this series and we're going to look at some of the maybe disagreements and how we wrestle with Romans 14, Colossians chapter 2, and this idea that we don't judge each other concerning Sabbaths and personal individual conscience. We're going to deal with that. But the first point, if I have a kind of a five-point outline is there, um, there is agreement, I've noticed, about, being a day, about there being an actual rest. Every Christian agrees. Now, Christians may disagree what day and time and how to do it, but every Christian in some way, shape, form agrees that there needs to be a rest. Now, some may go, I rest uh, for a couple hours here on Sunday and a couple hours here on Monday and Thursday. Some say, well, a rest is just doing something solely different. And so as long as your soul is okay with the Lord. I mean, there's all sorts of different ways. But I've discovered in Christianity, everybody agrees that there needs to be some kind of rest. Now, how and when and what should be done and what are the components of it? Everybody's in a lot of disagreement. But everybody agrees that there's this kind of rest that we need. 
And don't we know it? Don't you know it? Don't I know it? Do you ever think or feel that I don't have rest? Like rest is not there. So everybody agrees. Number two, confessional documents. Some very popular confessional documents, especially if you're more in the Reformed world, there's great confessional documents. And those confessional documents actually call out this idea of rest. And you find among those that would be in more the, what we call the Reformed crowd, which, we, which would be a, a lot in our church, uh, they would agree with certain confessions of faith. For instance, there's something called the London Baptist Confession of 1689. All right, you can type it in. You can go look at it. And in the London Baptist Confession of 1689, which this is what it says in chapter 22, paragraph 7 and 8. Here's what it says. This is what uh, a lot of Baptists, a ton of Baptists, where that, that kind of controls our area. Baptists is the heaviest denomination here, right? And also this, uh, the, Westminster, um, the Westminster Confession of Faith, almost the very same language. Here's what it says in paragraph 7 and 8. Let me read it for you, what it has to say about a day of rest. As it is the law of nature, this is paragraph 7 and 8, that in general a portion of time by God's appointment be set apart for the worship of God, so by his word in a positive moral and perpetual commandment, commandment binding all men in all ages, he has particularly appointed one day in seven for a Sabbath to be kept holy unto him, which from the beginning of the world to the resurrection of Christ was the last day of the week, and from the resurrection of Christ was changed to the first day of the week, which is called the Lord's Day, and is to be continued to the end of the world as the Christian Sabbath, the observation of the last day of the week being abolished. The Sabbath is then, this is paragraph 8, is then kept holy unto the Lord, when men, after due preparing of their hearts and ordering their common affairs aforehand, do not only observe a holy rest all day from their own works, words, and thoughts, from their worldly employment and recreations, but are also taken up the whole time in the public and private exercises of his worship and in duties of necessity and mercy. That's the London Baptist Confession, the Westminster Confession. These are very popular confessions, especially uh, for many theologians. These confessions have actually driven up most Presbyterians and a lot of Baptists. All right? And what do you see even in their confessional statements? Hey, there's a day of rest, and it's the Resurrection Sunday. Now, my, my point at this point is not really to convince you of that as much as I, I've already talked about that a little bit. But let's just talk about this idea of rest. Because here's what happens. I say the word rest, and here's what people think. Well, what about for a Sunday school teacher? Or what about for someone that makes a visit? Or what about for you, Nick? Sure looks like you're resting. You're not sitting down, right? Sure looks like you're not resting. So what does it mean when... The scriptures talk about rest. Well, I can tell you this. Rest does not mean laziness. Does not mean that. And rest does not mean doing nothing. It means that we would rest from our normal work, our employment, our school, that we did on the other six days. It means that the work we do on that seventh day would, in God's providence, look different. But it does not mean that there's not things that we may not be doing. I can say for my soul, it means for sure that as much as lies within me, I'm going to try to operate in such a way that others are not in, going to have to be employed on that day by my own work, which 
I've told you before, it, it pains my soul when I eat out on a Sunday. It really does. It really does. Because I'm thinking to myself, I'm not giving you this opportunity. I'm perpetuating. Now, at this point, what happens with us is we sometimes go, okay, Nick, I'm going to watch, and I'm going to make sure I never see you swing through McDonald's on a Sunday, right? Well, please say something to me if I do, mostly because I swung into McDonald's. Now, some may go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What about police officers and, and people who do medical care? What about emergency rooms? You want those closed down? No. You actually read in the scriptures that the priests, they actually worked. Actually, they had double sacrifices they had to do on the Sabbath day. They, so it's not wrong. There is essential personnel that has to happen. Let's say that you're on the wor- a worship team or you're in the back cave or you're teaching a class or you're Sunday school or you're doing some kind of discipleship on a Sunday. Does that mean you're working? No, not like violating a day of rest. I wouldn't say necessarily you're doing that. You actually could just be worshiping. What the Lord would want for us is to do a lot of preparation during those other days and then be ready to worship with people. But it's not wrong to do those kind of things. It's not wrong to do spiritual exercising on this day. It's not wrong to even have anything that you do physical. It means, though, that what you do that day will look different from the others. For instance, if you're a mother, mothers, what do you think your kids would think if you go, hey, sorry, not going to feed you today, and we're not going to clean dishes, and we're not going to take out the trash. We're just going to let it all pile up today. That's not what we mean by day of rest. But I would tell you this, if you, if, if, I mean, husband, children, you know what would be good, right? That if mama is cooking and cleaning and trash and laundry the six days, and you want to give her a day of rest, what would you do? You sit down, mom. We got this. We'll cook dinner. We'll make sure the dishes are done. We'll take out the trash. We'll take care of that. This is your day of rest. This is not what our other six days look like. Mom, we're going to help do that. Now, what, I know what you're thinking. Like, Are you saying that no one does anything in your house but Cindy? No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> but do you understand what I'm saying? So when you say rest, I want you to get out of your mind this idea of complete and utter, do nothing, don't breathe, don't move a fingertip, don't turn a doorknob, don't turn on electricity. I would tell you, in some way, it should look different from the other six. And in some way, you, we would, by, by strong conscience, try to make sure that what we do on that day does not place a burden on others to work. But we wouldn't get so legalistic where we would go, well, nurses, you can't, you can't be in the emergency room. No, there are essential things that still happen. For instance, would it be wrong, would it be wrong uh, although we don't work this way, but let's say a whole community was so united together that they really believed that this was the Lord's day, and so all the gas stations shut down, right? But yet one of the gas stations stayed open, and they rotated each Lord's day just in case someone needed gas, in case there's an emergency, they could leave town. Would that be wrong? No, that wouldn't be wrong. Don't treat this with some, some kind of legalism that the people of Jesus' day did with. Be careful about that. Now, here's what I love about the scriptures. Do y'all love the scriptures? I got, okay, I got two people, right? No, we got more than that. I got lots of head nodders, right? We love the scriptures. Here's awesome. If we want to know what to believe about this, there's a real simple answer. Let's see what Jesus said about it. If you're ever reading the Old Testament and you're wondering, how am I supposed to take this and understand it? Jesus 
perfectly fulfilled the law. He taught it perfectly. He lived it perfectly. And in his life, what they were struggling with while Jesus was on earth was not as much license with the day of the Lord. It was really a lot of legalism. And he spoke into that quite a bit. So let's take a look at that. First, let's start at Matthew 12. That's the best place to look. I had someone recently, um, there are all sorts of ideas about marriage and divorce and uh, in our whole world, actually, there's so much ideas. There's now even such things as polyg- polygamy and polyamory and all sorts of various things, right? And, and the question that gets asked all the time is, how do you know what's right? You see, like, polygamy all through the Old Testament. And my response is this, what did Jesus say? Jesus interprets the Old Testament. Jesus helps you understand And Jesus points back to Genesis. Now, in Jesus' life and ministry, do you want to know what he mostly got in trouble for? What he did on the Sabbath. Not, by the way, not in trouble with God, right? But in trouble with the religious establishment. It's what he did on the Sabbath. You want to know what Jesus, what provoked them to, the the religious leaders to provoke and get him further towards the cross? It was how he handled the Sabbath, the day of rest. And I think Jesus is the perfect one to teach on this. But I do want you to free yourself of this idea of, well, that means that when we get home, I'm telling the kids to shut up, to sit still all day, and we're just going to sit here till the sun goes down. No, your kids are still going to have to get their wiggles out, right? But, it, but how does the wiggles of the day of rest look different from the wiggles of days one through six? But y'all didn't think you'd hear wiggles today in a sermon, did you? So it might be like this, if, 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 your, if your kid has a lot of electronics on days one through six, day seven might be, hey, we're going to free you of that. This day is going to look a little different for my four-year-old than it looks different. And, you know, and today instead, let's go to the park, right? And let's talk, let's have a walk. Let's actually let you play on the swing set. You know, maybe actually while I'm sitting there, maybe there'll be someone else I can tell the good news. And then the thought is, oh, wait a minute, that's work. You're telling somebody about the good news. Actually, let's read about Jesus. He's telling people good news on the Sabbath. Okay, let's look at it. Matthew chapter 12. I'm going to walk through what Jesus had to say. So there is some agreement in the evangelical world. There's agreement um, with confessional documents. Hopefully, I've helped you understand. Be careful how legalistic we think about the idea of rest. And now let's look at what Jesus actually says, because I think he's going to help us. He's going to give us some principles. Go to Matthew chapter 12, Matthew chapter 12, and let's make our way through some texts of Scripture. I'm going to read some texts. I'll make some comments. I've got several New Testament texts I want to cover with you. Um, And let's look at what did Jesus say about the day of rest, and how can we apply that to our own life? I read this last time, but I'm going to go through it again. Look at verse 12. At the time Jesus went through the grain fields on the, what day, church? And his disciples became hungry, began to pick the heads of grain and eat. They're walking and they're eating on the Sabbath. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples do what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. That was not God's law. It was extra laws that they made up that were hypocritical. They, they were not God's law. They were adding to God's law. So Jesus, who is the perfect teacher of the law and the perfect model of how to live out that command of Sabbath, and he said to them, Have you not read that David did when he became hungry, he and his companions, how he entered the house of God and they ate the consecrated bread, which is not lawful for him to eat, nor for those but the priests only alone? He basically says, Do you know that this is actually for for man and 
Even David ate from the bread that was only for the priests on the Sabbath day. Are you telling or your interpretation of the Sabbath is legalistic and wrong? You don't, you don't have a right perspective on it. You've gone further than what you should go with it. I see people do this sometimes when we start thinking about rest. They go, I can't do anything physical that day. I would go, no, you can do something physical. But this, we're striving to, how does this day look different from the other six? How is this day holy? And I'm going to give you some more principles. Then he says in verse 5, Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests in the temple break the Sabbath and are innocent? He's basically saying, have you not read that the, the priests actually work on the Sabbath? They actually have extra offerings to make on the Sabbath. But I say to you, when Jesus says in verse 6, I say to you, what he's saying is, I'm the one who teaches on this rightly. I have the right interpretation. Your interpretation is wrong. Mine is correct. I say to you that something greater than the temple is here. But if you had known what this means, I desire compassion and not sacrifice, that you would not condemn the innocent. For the Son of Man is what? He's the Lord of the Sabbath. Here's a principle. The way we do the day of rest, does it reflect that Jesus is Lord? Let me say this again. The way we do the day of rest, does it reflect that Jesus is Lord? I don't want us to run to legalism and go tell everybody all the nooks and crannies what you can and can't do. But I do want to point this principle. This is the Lord's day and the way we in our household and the way we even operate as a church, is it he is Lord of this day? He is the Lord of the day of rest. Now in pastoral ministry, a lot of pastors take off Mondays and that's their day of rest. And I ask pastors this all the time who go, my Sabbath is Monday. And my next question is this. Then tell me about your Monday. Well, mow the yard, go pay bills. Um, you know, it's like a day to accomplish, you know, tasks. And then I'm like, hey, that's great. Have a day off. You know, we're, 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 you know <laughs> God's not against that. But I don't know if I would call that a rest unto the Lord. It's things you got to get done. But as, is it as unto the Lord? Is he Lord of that day? Now, at this point, some people would say, well, he's supposed to be Lord of every day. Yes, yes. But how does that one day look in such a way that it looks different from the other six? Now, I had one time, this is years ago, I met a doctor who, um, he had to work on every Sunday. And so, but he really believed in giving this day to the Lord. And so he literally could not be at church. That was just his profession. He was kind of like the Levitical priest. And here's what this doctor did. This doctor found other doctors in his area and they made a church together, right, of medical personnel that have to work on Sunday, and they did it on Fridays, and they actually took that as their day of the Lord. They gave it to the Lord. They worshiped and sung. They, they did communion. They baptized. They did all the functions of what a church actually does. Now, would I look at that guy and go, heretic? No, I would go, okay. He's, he, but he did give it to the Lord. He did it. It was on a different day. I get it, but he, he gave it to the Lord. My question is this. Is Jesus the Lord of our day of rest? Now look at verse 9. And departed from there, he went to the synagogue. What a great place to go on the Sabbath. And behold, a man was there whose hand was withered. And they questioned Jesus, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him? By the way, I think this guy was planted there. I think they put him there. They were wanting to see what he would do. And he said to them, what man is there among you who has sheep if he falls into a pit on the Sabbath will not take hold of it and lift him out? How much more valuable then is a man than sheep? So in their rabbi rabbinical laws, their 
Pharisaic interpretation was, you can help a man as long as he's about to die. If he's not going to die, let it go. But if your animal falls into a pit, you can go ahead and get them. They're a little more vulnerable. And his point is, you have once again added to the Sabbath. You've added to it. You can actually help a man on this. It's, it's okay to do something good. It's okay to love your neighbor. It's okay to be taking a nap and your neighbor comes over trying to cut wood with a butter knife and get up and take your good tools out and help them. It's okay to do on that day. Are you much valuable than man than sheep? So then it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and it was restored to normal like the other. But going out, the Pharisees took counsel together against them, how they might what? What does it say? They didn't like it. Isn't this interesting? Jesus' interpretation of the Sabbath rest provoked the Pharisees so much that that was one of the major instigators of many that actually pushed them to try to get him towards the cross. They didn't like it. But Jesus interprets it rightly and says this. I'm the Lord of that day. I'm the Lord of the day of rest. And not only that, it's okay to do good. So is it okay for mom to make some macaroni and cheese on that day to feed her kids? Yeah. But is it also okay for a husband to do the dishes and give her a day of rest that day? Yeah. Is it okay to, is it okay to take your family to the, to the park and enjoy God's creation? Yeah. Is it okay to sing and praise the Lord together? Yeah. Is it okay to take a rest? Yes. Is it okay to help someone in need that day? Yes. But the goal would be this. When you do it, are you doing it as unto the Lord? Are you doing it the way that it's his day? That you're doing good not for yourself, but for the glory of God in others. Not for self, but for the glory of God in others. You see this in the text. Now keep going. Go to Luke. I'm sorry, go to um, Mark chapter 2. Let me show this to you again. Parallel passage, same thing. But Mark, Mark has something that, that Matthew didn't say in his text of this. Go down to verse 27. This is the same exact text. But notice in chapter Mark 2, 27, as Jesus is correcting them, all the same things happen as what we just saw. And Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for what? For man, not man for Sabbath. So we look at the day of rest. Not only is he Lord, not only is it a good day, it's a, it's a day that you can love your neighbor. Not yourself, but love your neighbor. But then also, it was made for man. We are hurting ourselves in this disobedience to it. We are hurting our relationship with God. We're hurting our capacity to love others. We're hurting ourselves. We're hurting our families. I'm scared. Scared. I'm not, I don't say that lightly. I am scared for the pattern of what even I'm setting for my own children. If they see dad who does a lot of spiritual things, but then as soon as he gets a break on the day of rest, he tries to entertain or let's load up and let's go watch a movie. Do you, you understand? I'm not trying to get legalistic with this. I'm just trying to go... Is my life in such a way that the day of rest is his day? Is it in such a way that it is for the good of others to love my neighbor and not myself? And is it in such a way that it was made for man, that I am resting in the Lord that day? At times where it's appropriate physically, but also spiritually. Am I freeing myself up from the other six days encumberments? Now here's what's interesting. 
Whenever I start studying, whenever I study this topic, you know what I do less on Sundays? I check emails less. Can someone say amen to less email checking? This was really awesome. The other days, someone say amen or owe me to this one. Do you ever feel like if I can just catch up to my emails, the day will be okay? You ever get there, like if I could just get caught up to all of them, this day will be okay? And here's what I love about the rest today. I am free not to check those emails. Like, you know, unless I guess someone texts me and says I need help, right? And let me tell you something. That's a freedom you don't get the other six days. Like, I'm free. Why? Because Jesus is Lord, because you can do good, but also the Sabbath was made for who? Man, I'm my own worst enemy to rest. Have you noticed this? I'm my own worst enemy to rest. It was made for us. It was made for us to cultivate a love for the Lord. It was made for us to cultivate a worship of the Lord in our family. It was a way to also cultivate a love and worship with the church family. You know what's interesting? People ask me all the time, how come y'all don't have a Sunday night service? And I can remember this years ago, thinking in my earlier years of ministry, we had Sunday night service, and I remember um, coveting all those non-denominational churches that didn't have Sunday night service. I can remember it thinking, man, would it be so nice to have that evening to myself? But you know what? I've been in the world now of, of not having Sunday night services, and I have to be honest with you, I don't know if it's actually done God's people well. I think God's people don't even know each other like they used to. I remember the sweetness of a Sunday night service. You kind of had the core there. Someone, people have asked, are, are we ever going to have a Sunday night service? I don't know, but I would say this. If we had enough people that were so convinced that this was the Lord's day, we'd probably be open to at least having some rhythms of it. So it's his day. It's a day to do good towards your neighbor and others. It's a day that's made for you to rest in the Lord physically but spiritually. Once again, the way we operate today, does it look different from the other six? Now here's the thing that I think stops a lot of us. It's this thing, right? This thing stops us. You know when we get bored during the week, right? Sometimes we get bored, we pop up on our phone because it's the natural gut react. It's the natural knee-jerk thing. What, happened, what would happen if on the Lord's Day we just said, not doing it. Going to cut that out for the day unless it's essential to love others or to maybe, maybe that's where my book is or that's where I put my Bible. I'm going to make this day different. This is the Lord's Day. I'm not going to be distracted and encumbered with things of the world, but I'm actually going to focus on you. Hey, if you're kind of thinking to yourself, I don't have any time to study the Bible with my family, or I have any time to do devotion with my family, or my wife and I can't really ever talk about the Lord, or there's a book I've been wanting to read that's about like stirring your heart for the Lord. I can't do it. Guess what? This day was made for you. This is your day, right? You don't have to fit it in somewhere else. You don't have to shove it in between 5 and 6 o'clock dinner on Wednesday. This is your day. This is a day that God has made for you. This is a positive good thing that a good God gives his creatures recognizing what's good for them before they even know what's good for themselves now go to Luke 13 let me show this to you again Jesus is the one that tells us perfectly about what a day of rest looks like he interprets it properly now you were thinking this thing of this is what some people think at this point they go well Nick Jesus is doing this on Saturday so this doesn't apply Hang with me. We'll talk more about that next week. But hold with the principle of a day of rest. 
Now look right here in chapter 13 and verse 10 of Luke. Jesus, once again, he defines about what a day of rest looks like. Verse 10, this is the woman that gets healed on the Sabbath, on the day of rest. He says in verse 10, chapter 13 of Luke. And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who for 18 years had a sickness caused by a spirit. And she was bent double and could not straighten up at all. But when Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from this sickness. Just as a side note, so you'll know, heaven has a zero, zero, zero tolerance policy for sin, sickness, disease, curse, and Satan. And he laid hands on her, and immediately she was made erect again and began glorifying God. But the synagogue official, indignant because Jesus healed on the Sabbath. Once again, that dude's wrong. He doesn't understand, but Jesus corrects it. Answered and said, there are six days in which to work. This work could be done, so come during them and get healed, but not on the Sabbath day. It's one, can we just back up? Someone gets healed. It's something that looks pretty demonic. For 18 years bent over, she gets healed, and you're thinking, mm, mm, I wouldn't have done it on that day. This is how messed up we get about the day of rest. They were on the far extreme of legalism, adding to God's word. I fear we're more licensed. Verse 15, but the Lord answered him and said, you're a hypocrite. Does not, does not each of you on the Sabbath release his ox and his donkey from the stall and lead it away to water? He said, isn't it okay to take care of your animal? You got to take care of those things that are around you. And this woman being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, behold, 18 years, should not she not have been released from this this bond on the Sabbath day, on the day of rest? And he said this, and all his opponents were being put to shame. The entire crowd was rejoicing over all the glorious things he had done. So once again, he corrects their understanding of the day of rest. Now go over to Luke chapter 14. Not to be undone, there's more. It's like bonus. Look at chapter 14, verse 1. Another healing on the Sabbath. And it happened that when he went to the house of one of the leaders of the Pharisees on the Sabbath to eat bread, they were watching him closely. Why do you think they are watching him closely? They didn't like what he was doing on the Sabbath. They didn't like it. And behold, in front of him was a man suffering from dropsy. Dropsy is you, basically your, your body's going to be swollen. There's, typically there's liver damage or con, um, congenital heart failure that's about to happen. But he was swollen up with liquid fluid. Jesus answered and spoke to the scholars of the law and the Pharisees saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? I love how Jesus asked them a question. But they were silent. Why didn't they not answer Jesus? Because they didn't want to be wrong. Because Jesus is always right. And he took hold of him, healed him, sent him away. And he said to them, which of you will have a son or an ox fall into a well and will not immediately pull him out on the Sabbath day, on the day of rest? And they can make no reply to this. So what do we see? Is it wrong to do good for the glory of God and others on the day of rest? No, you can do good. You can worship with the body. You can serve the body. You can evangelize. You can disciple. You can do all manner of spiritual things. You can pray with your family. You can sing with your family. You can do any way of serving your family. You can lift a finger and cook a meal for your family. But the way we do it that day is unique and distinctive because it sets the pace for the rest of the week. Is he Lord of this day? Is it a day we recognize that God has graciously given it to us and our children and our culture and our society and all manner of men? 
Is it his day? Now keep looking. Go over to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. Are you also with me? You okay? You okay? Okay. In John chapter 5, you see this again. Jesus answers this. Chapter 5, verse 1. After these things, there was, this is chapter 5, another healing. There was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there, now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in the Hebrew Bethesda, having five porticoes, and in lay a multitude of those who were sick, blind, lame, withered. Verse 4, I'm sorry, waiting for the moving of the waters. For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred up the water. Whoever then first came after the stirring up the water stepped in and was made well from whatever sickness. By the way, that wasn't something God was doing. That was more superstition in their culture. Verse 5, and a man was there who had been sick for 38 years. 38 years sick. Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been sick a long time. He said to him, do you wish to get well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, get up. What a great word to hear, get up. Just a side note. What a great application for all of our souls. If you are sinking deep in sin, if we are, if we are weighed down, Jesus says, get up. He says, pick up your mat and walk. And immediately the man became well, picked up his mat and began to walk. Notice at the very end of verse 9, now... John wants you to realize this. Now it was the what day? The Sabbath day. John wants you to know this because this is not the guy's picking up a mat. If you know anything, you were not supposed to move your stuff in a public setting to a private setting according to the Pharisees' additional rules to the Sabbath. So this dude, 38 years, couldn't walk, walking up around the mat, and what do you think they're doing? They're not like, dude, what happened? 38... Dude, what is like, dude, why are you carrying your mat today? A, a hypocritical legalism that was never meant. Verse 10, so the Jews were saying to the man who'd been healed, it is the Sabbath and it's not lawful for you to carry your mat. Now, by the way, before we go just thinking like, what a bunch of meatheads. These people are being healed and all they care about is this mat. We are the same, we're just the opposite end. Where we kind of go, you know, it really doesn't matter. You know, it's, it, you know this, it just really doesn't. We're, we're just the opposite end from them. And he answered and said to them, Who made you well was the one who said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. And they asked him, Who is the man who told you to pick up your mat and walk? But the man who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had slipped away while there was a crowd in place. And afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, Behold, you have become well. Do not sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. The man went away and disclosed to the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. And for this reason, the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. They didn't like what he did on the Sabbath. By the way, when you keep reading, you notice a very gospel tie-in. Look in verse 17. My father is working till now, he said, and I myself am working. <laughs> He's saying, God's working on this day. You don't like what I'm doing, but God's actually doing something. I, think there's, I want you to recognize, God works on every day. But there is a unique distinction that I think we got to recognize. On the Lord's day, 
is an opportunity for God to do something that's different from the other six days when it's holy and separated unto him. Look in verse 18. For this reason, therefore, the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because he not only was breaking the Sabbath, but also calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Therefore, Jesus answered, saying to them, Truly I say to you, the Son can do nothing from himself unless it is something he sees his Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Father does. And I like verse 20. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all these things he himself is doing. And the Father will show him greater works than these so that you will marvel. Basically, Jesus is saying, you think you've you've seen some works on the Sabbath? I'm about to show you the true Sabbath work. Hold on. There's going to come a day that I'm going to go to the cross, and I'm going to show you what real Sabbath work looks like. Now go to John chapter 7. By the way, they didn't like this. They held against him. If you go to John chapter 7 and look in verse 14, John chapter 7 and verse 14, you pick up the story where they're getting all over Jesus, and then He's referring back to what just happened in John chapter 5, verse 14. This is the Feast of Booth. Jesus is coming into the temple in Jerusalem, verse 14 in John 7. But it was now in the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began to teach. The Jews then were marveling, saying, How has this man become so learned, having not been educated? Well, because he's God, and he learned it from the Father. So Jesus answered and said to them, My teaching is not mine, but from him who sent me. If anyone is willing to do his will... He will know about the teaching, whether it is of God or I speak of myself. Verse 18. He who speaks for himself seeks his own glory, but he who is seeking the glory of the one who sent him, he is true, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Verse 19. Did not Moses give you the law, and yet none of you does the law? Why do you seek to kill me? So he says, you're not even doing right with the law. I like verse 20. The crowd answered him, you have a demon. What a way to kind of blame shift and kind of push off the argument, right? Just throw accusation. Who seeks to kill you? Jesus answered, I did one work. What was the work? The thing he did in John chapter 5 with healing the guy from 38 years. He said, I did one work and you all marvel. For this reason, Moses gave you circumcision, not because it was from Moses, but from the fathers. And on the Sabbath, you circumcise a man. If, If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses will not be broken, Why are you angry with me because I made an entire man well on the Sabbath? Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. He points out and says, you say it's okay to do circumcision on the Sabbath day. Do you not see your hypocrisy? Do a judge with righteous judgment. You've missed the whole point of the Sabbath. And I'm trying to tell you guys about what it's like. It's a day of the Lord. It's a day made for us. It's a day... It's a day where we can love others because we love God. It's not, our, it's, it's not a selfish day. It's a day to do good. John chapter 9. John chapter 9 again. John chapter 9 verse 3. This is where Jesus heals a man who's born blind. Verse 3 of John chapter 9. Actually look at John chapter 1. And as he passed by, Jesus saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? There's no dumb questions, but these are dumb questions. Verse 3, Jesus answered, Neither was this man nor his parents that sinned, but so that the works of God might be manifest in him. We must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no man will work. While I am in the world, I am the light. Then he said to him, he spat on the ground, made clay of the saliva, rubbed it in his eyes, and he said, Go wash in the pools of Siloam. If you know the rest of the text, here's what happens. He picks up clay, 
needs it, which by the way, the Pharisees said you couldn't play with dirt on the Lord's day. So what do you think Jesus is going to do? He's going to play with some dirt, right? Maybe, maybe if you want to give your kids some, some, you know, to get their wiggles out, let them just go dig some dirt, right? Whatever. So he digs in some dirt, goes against the rabbi's laws, their extra added laws, heals the guy, does well, then go, then go down to verse 35. By the way, that guy gets disciplined, gets excommunicated from the synagogue for this. Verse 35, Jesus comes to the guy. Verse 35, Jesus heard that they had put him out, the guy who he just healed who was born blind. And after finding him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and he is the one who's talking with you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. By the way, just another thing. You also find that the good news is being told on the Lord's day. Like, also, do you know it's okay to do good? Do you know it's okay to evangelize? If you, it, have you ever thought, I would share Jesus more, but have you seen my week? Man, it's, I'm at work all day, and it's just push, 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 come home dinner, got things to do, and then push reset, Tuesday's the same thing, Wednesday's the same thing, Thursday's the same thing. I got no time for this. Ever, ever feel like that? That's why God's giving you a day of rest. And part of that day of rest sometimes is doing good. It's a great day to actually evangelize. At this point, people would go, no, I'm not resting. Actually, you are resting. Jesus is doing good. In fact, he's telling this guy the good news, and the guy says, I believe. And it's on the day of rest. So you can do good. So let me clear up my final kind of, this is summary thought. When we come to the day of rest, this message has been really about, I kind of don't want to get into the legalism part. Last one is a little bit, I don't want to do the license, but I don't want to get into the legalism. But here's some clear principles. Jesus helps us understand how to really look at this day in principle that started at creation. Number one is this, Jesus is Lord of this day. Is he Lord of the day of rest for our life? Is our, have we had a conversation with our, like husbands, we should have a conversation with our wife. Why is our husband like if you're single, I mean, you're with your family, I mean, like you, we should have a conversation. What does it look like that this is his day? Number two, is our life patterned in such a way that we could do good to our neighbor on this day? Here's one of my concerns. The way the day of rest operates for a lot of people, that if your neighbor knocks on your door and needs help with their, like, needs help with their mailbox, we wouldn't have the maneuverability of that day to actually do good because we've recreationed it with so much stuff. Are y'all catching me on this? Y'all catching it? Number three, it's made for us. Number four, I haven't said this. Notice in all these passages of the day of rest, did Jesus ever say, forget about this day of rest, it's not even needed? Did he, ever, did he say that in all? No, he just corrected their misconceptions about God's authorial intent about a day of rest. But he never discouraged it and said, mm, man, y'all should just forget this. Next is this. Be careful about the legalism that can happen when trying to work on a day of rest. Which means be careful about fixating judgment on others. And then I would say this. Be concerned about our own personal license on this day. So I don't want us walking around and we have a conversation and, you know, oh, well, 
you know, I heard, I heard that you drove your car more than 25 miles today. And, you know, I heard you can't drive your car more than 25 miles today because you might not have enough gas, you know. So, but I will tell you this. Life will be different for us if we do something different. What if we prepared the rest of the week in such a way that we had enough food, enough gas, we've even prepped our meals, we've gotten ourselves in a position that we have a day out of the week that we can fully enjoy our family, enjoy our church family, enjoy God's creation, give ourselves to good works, give ourselves to good physical rest, good spiritual rest to the glory of God. I think we'd be living in the way God designed man to work, not in a pharisaical legalism and not in a pagan license. And God help us, I'm trying to get there. Let's pray for each other, can we? Let's stand together. Aaron's gonna come and sing a song of worship with us and help our hearts meditate on this. Please stay and continue this Lord's Day. Rest with us as we edify and build up each other and have a meal together. Father, would you help us? There's someone here who's without Christ. May today be their day. May they, all the, <laughs> he got, you got pressed towards the cross as a result of what you said about the rest. So they may this be their day of rest in you. May they trust you as Savior and Lord, that their sins can be forgiven. For the rest of us, we need help. Protect us from legalism. Protect us from license. Help us to take the principles of the word. May there be rich, full communication. May May even I continue to work this out with my family and my church. May good observation and good questions from our body even help me further help even our people and disciple and train even towards the next generation. Help us. We need your help. God's people said, amen.